from San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspik. This is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On this show, we provide daily episodes, Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. To get this show every day, you need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already on the brand new podcast app Himalaya or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. When you're driving to work, from work, or around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Giants Baseball, and we will be right there with you for the drive. For the latest takes on NBA free agency, follow all of the Locked On Podcast Network hosts on one Twitter feed, at Locked On NBA Net. It's an awesome way to get all of the latest opinions from the local experts during NBA free agency, at Locked On NBA Net. Coming up on today's show, there's just so much to talk about. I have like 500 tabs open right now, and I just, we're going to do our best to cover everything. But I think last night was a tremendous win for the Giants. I know like they're buried in the standings, so the wins and losses don't really matter. But you're starting to see some intrigue, more good things out of Alex Dickerson last night. Good at bats still for Mike Yastrzemski. Drew a couple of walks, which he definitely needed. Will Smith just continued to be amazing. Brandon Belt hit leadoff. Madison Bumgarner had 11 strikeouts. So there's just so much to get into, and we'll jump right into it now. The Giants won the game 4-2, and with the win, they improved to 34-44. and Dodgers also won, so they're still 19 and a half games back in the National League West. They still have a minus 90 run differential, the Giants do, which has an expected win-loss record of 30-48. and but none of that matters right now. Really, there's there's actually some positive things to say about the San Francisco Giants today. First off, Brandon Belt was hitting leadoff yesterday, which I think is a very good idea. It's something we almost talked about on a show just a couple of days ago, but it didn't quite make the cut. But he's always been someone who is a strong candidate to lead off because of the great on-base percentages that he puts up consistently. And it takes a lot of pressure off of him because fans want him to expand the zone, not take close pitches with two strikes. They want him to drive in runs, be a middle, you know, he's batting in the middle of the lineup, so they want someone who's just constantly driving in runs. But if he can hit leadoff, people shift their perspective a little bit and can appreciate somebody who just gets on base a lot. I would make a case that that should be every spot in the lineup. You should be wanting them to just get on base a lot, but can't please everyone. So belt batting first just makes a lot of sense. They've gotten kind of no production out of the top of the lineup this year, especially leadoff. Steven Duggar wasn't getting on base. Joe Panic wasn't getting on base. Belt, very good candidate to lead off. Didn't have a good game yesterday, but I think they should continue to run him out there. He actually did have one good at bat. He scored. He was responsible for the first run the Giants scored with runners on second and third, one out. A situation where you really don't want to strike out. And they're, you know, even Crook and Kuyper are putting all kinds of pressure on Belt. Like he has to put a ball in play here, is what they're saying. But plenty of Giants hitters come up in that situation and just hack at everything and don't get the job done either. So it's just this bias against Brandon Belt because he's selective that if he strikes out, it's confirmation bias. Oh, I knew that he was the wrong person to have up in that situation. But you'd rather have someone like Kevin Pillar or Evan Longoria just hack at three straight pitches out of the strike zone. But anyway, he did get the job done, fought off some nasty pitches, hit a deep sack fly to center field and gave the Giants the lead. Madison Bumgarner was perfect through three innings with six strikeouts. 
But then as soon as the glare went off of that backdrop in center field, the Rockies hitters started to look, look a lot more comfortable. And Ian Desmond hit a home run to left field off of Bumgarner in the fourth inning. Bumgarner is continuing to just have a problem with allowing too many home runs. He's only not allowed a home run in one of his last 10 starts, and he's allowed 12 home runs in those 10 starts. So that's a big reason why his earned run average, even with the really good 11 strikeouts in six innings last night, is uh, 4.21 with peripherals essentially to match, suggesting that he deserves to be around 4.21, maybe a little lower like in the 4.1, 4.15 range. So if I'm a contender, I definitely have concerns about somebody on the San Francisco Giants who's allowing home runs at a higher rate than the league average and just consistently giving up homers. It's not like he had one four-homer outing in Colorado that's skewing his numbers. Pretty much every time he goes out there, he's giving up a home run. Which, you know, imagine that in Yankee Stadium where it's like this short porch in right field. Teams are just going to be teeing off on him in that type of stadium. Alex Dickerson had another good game for the Giants last night. He hit fourth in the lineup. We've seen him move up quickly. He hit seventh for the first three games, and then he was up to like second yesterday, two days ago, and then clean up last night. He went two for three with a walk, and his one out that he made was very nearly a hit. It took a jumping catch by the second baseman to pull that ball in. One of his two hits was a hustle double into the opposite field gap. It really, it didn't get through the outfielders. It was just a little bit into the gap. And Dickerson just ran hard out of the box and pushed the envelope and made it barely into second base. So he just can do no wrong at this point. But we have been very optimistic about Dickerson on this show ever since they made that trade. And it just continues to get better because... His numbers in his career against right-handed pitching are continuing to go up because he hasn't been he hasn't played that much in his major league career, although he did have significant playing time in 2016 when he really did well against righties. But now every single night he's having success, it's bumping up his career numbers a little bit to the point where now in his career against righties, he's been 20% above average. He's got a 270 average with a 341 on base and a 491 slugging. It's a 222 ISO, which is just really good, especially for, you know, it represents a huge upgrade for the Giants outfield, potentially. Only striking out about 18% of the time with that line and walking 9% of the time. We shouldn't read into the small sample, and that's, we're not looking at just his numbers since he joined the Giants. I think that would be crazy because the numbers have obviously been off the charts. But we're talking about a career now against right-handed pitching, and this little sample with the Giants is just more of the same in a sense. You don't really fluke your way to this 270, 341, 491 slash line, especially because he has a 295 batting average on balls in play against righties in his career and is homering on just 12.5% of his fly balls. So those look like normal numbers, so there's not just something screaming that he's just getting lucky against right-handed pitching. Tyler Austin, speaking of, you know, Dickerson against left uh, righties, because most pitchers are going to be right-handed, of course. But then if they do go to a lefty and Dickerson, we you know, he hasn't played a ton in his career against lefties. But let's say, you know, he just continues to have this big platoon split, which is pretty normal. And, you know, someone like Jock Peterson, for example, on the Dodgers, good player, quality player, crushes right-handed pitching, but cannot hit a lick against lefties and so they don't really expose him against lefties and then it works out for them 
when there's a lefty on the mound, they bring in the guy who crushes lefties. And then between those two players, you have one really good player. You just extract the most value you possibly can. You let the guys who have specific skills use those specific skills and you don't overexpose them where they have areas of weakness. But anyway, Tyler Austin is a guy who crushes left-handed pitching, and in his career, he's only faced lefties 215 times, but is hitting 259 with a 344 on base and a 551 slugging. So that's a 292 ISO. That's ridiculous. Anytime you're up near 300, that's just tremendous power. And that line is about 35% better than league average. So if you combine those two Dickerson against righties, Austin against lefties, you have a well above average combination there. And it equals one position checked off in the outfield if you're comfortable using Austin and left. And I'm not saying they should necessarily platoon Dickerson right away. They should maybe give him a look, see what he can do against lefties. But all of a sudden, the Giants have a couple of guys who have plus offense in the outfield when you utilize them properly. Combine that with the fact that Yastrzemski looks solid enough in the outfield and just continues to have good at bats and good swings and there's some real intrigue in the Giants outfield I'm not going to say these guys are like really high level players but they're not depressingly bad players that and there's no hope for the future which is what we've kind of seen year after year from the Giants outfield so there's much more to talk about from this game and then some key takeaways like players who stood out in this game and how they might affect the Giants in the long term. There's some trade rumors. There's some Will Smith talk. So plenty more to get into that we'll have to squeeze into the second half. So that's all coming up next. But first, okay, so as promised, we'll continue to talk about this game, some of the key takeaways, some trade rumors, some bullpen stuff, lots to get into here in the second half. So Donovan Solano doesn't get a lot of, we haven't talked about him much on the show, but he had another good game last night. He had two hits including a big two-out hit that drove in a run. He scored at least one time, maybe twice. And, you know, interesting that he was in there against a right-handed pitcher with Joe Panic on the bench. Solano started the previous game, too, with Crawford on the bench. Crawford had, like, a hamstring, mild hamstring injury. But Solano, I mean, his at-bats have been impressive, and I'm not entirely convinced that he's not better than Joe Panic. For a long time, the Giants' core has just been extremely safe in their positions on the team, and they've just been run out there year after year, season after season, no matter what the performance has been. And they've been built around like they're some kind of sacred cow. But that's not going to be the case anymore, and this performance has been so bad, and the only thing keeping the Giants from moving on from several guys who are really underperforming is that they're tied up in terms of dollars and years to these contracts. But it is an exciting thing to think about, the fact that the Giants are not going to be afraid to turn over some of these positions and just continue to try guys who provide some intrigue. We're seeing it already with some, like everybody that is currently on the Giants that was brought in by Zaidi is providing some kind of upside and some value. Yastrzemski, Dickerson, Austin, even Kevin Pillar, I, you know, he's got some positive attributes that you can't necessarily say about some of the older underperforming veterans. So that's just going to keep happening until finally they're able to do it enough where they're, they're just a roster full of guys providing intrigue. That's what the Dodgers are now. Every single player is one of these players who's good and brings positive attributes and has upside and provides value. That's going to be the Giants eventually. And it's just going to be piece by piece finding guys who can stick. And again, it's not just some random picking names out of a hat situation. They're, it's very difficult to acquire players who you think can be good for you 
when you don't have much to give up. And signing older free agents is certainly not the answer either. So it's going to take patience and it's going to take some trades as well. The Giants do have one of the best trade chips available in Will Smith. He had another excellent outing last night, two strikeouts in a perfect night. He just continues to get it done with ease. He's got a 1.95 ERA, a 2.01 fielding independent pitching, 2.00 expected fielding independent pitching. All of those numbers are better than 50% above average. 41.5% strikeout rate, just 5.9% walk rate, 0.84 home runs per nine. He's just looking like an ace reliever. And his numbers are pretty much identical to what Araldis Chapman was doing in 2016 when he was dealt for Glaber Torres plus three other players in a rental situation to the Chicago Cubs. So that deal doesn't really have others like it. It was kind of one of its kind. We haven't seen rental relievers, you know, net a a stud position player prospect like that before or since really. But the Giants are well within their rights to point to it as the precedent for this kind of deal. So if I'm a contender, I mean, Will Smith is a total difference maker right now. He can not only help you to win a division if you're trying to hold off, if you're like the Braves and the Phillies trying to hold each other off in the division. But then if you're planning to make the postseason, a guy like Will Smith can make a tremendous difference because anytime you have a lead, you can just shut shut down a rally at some point later in the game or early in the game, whatever you want. If you can bring in a guy and he just shuts it down, that has tremendous value in a postseason. And we did see in 2016, the Cubs win the World Series and Chapman had a lot to do with that. So I'm surprised, honestly, that it hasn't happened already. Smith is just peaking right now. Anyway, we've gone this whole time without really talking about Madison Bumgarner, who might have been the biggest story from the night in terms of the game itself. Six innings, 11 strikeouts, just three hits, two runs, one home run, three walks. Sam Dyson, Tony Watson also had strong innings in relief. But there was a report this morning that the Twins are heavily interested in Madison Bumgarner. And I do think the Twins make a ton of sense on paper. They're a good team, but they are kind of lacking some veteran strength and stability in the starting rotation. If I had to point to one area where they might be able to bolster themselves, it would be in that starting rotation And they could very much use a Will Smith as well at the back end of their bullpen. They also have a strong farm system. The Twins are not on Madison Bumgarner's no trade list. So the Twins make a ton of sense. Wouldn't be surprised at all if he ends up there at some point. I continue to say for sure, I think that Smith has more trade value than Bumgarner. But if you pair them together and potentially agree to take on somebody else's bad contract, I mean, there's all kinds of ways the Giants could get creative and get a really premium return from somebody. Also want to mention that Mike Yastrzemski drew a couple of walks in last night's game, which was huge for him. And I was, you know, just thinking that's exactly what he needed because the power has been there. He's got a 207 ISO, which is very nice. And at the same time, he's only having a 239 batting average with a 293 batting average on balls in play. So there's some concerns there about him being able to have a much higher batting average than that. And if the batting average is that low, if you're not walking a lot, that's why you need the walks. Because if you're going to have a low batting average, but you're not drawing a lot of walks, you're going to have a low on base percentage. So exactly what Yastrzemski needed in his game was some more walks. He had been chasing a lot recently striking out a lot as well. He's almost striking out 30% of the time this year. But his walk rate was low, but the two walks now up to about 8%, which is more or less average, brought his on-base percentage up to 304. So 
All told, it's a line that works. 239 average, 304 on base, 446 slugging. It's been roughly league average offense from Yastrzemski. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. League average offensive production from the Giants outfield would be a massive improvement over where they've been this season and in past seasons. So when you take Yastrzemski, you take some combination of Duggar, Pilar, and you have Dickerson and Austin providing the value they bring against lefties or righties. Suddenly there's some positive things to say about the outfield. Anyway, the Giants today take on the Rockies in game three of this three-game series, going for the series win. Jeff Samarja on the mound. We'll, we'll see if that ERA continues to climb up near five where the peripherals are. Herman Marquez on the mound for the Rockies. He is very good, and it will be a tough task for the Giants today. Earlier in the year, he just dominated them. To get this show every single day, you need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already on the brand new podcast app Himalaya or Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. We provide daily shows Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspic. You can follow me on Twitter, at Cove underscore cast. Please consider leaving this show a review or rating it wherever it is that you're listening. I cannot wait to be with you again tomorrow, and until then, we'll see you next time. 